Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky international women's day was celebrated on tuesday march 8th and international women's day is a global day celebrating the social economic cultural and political achievements of women the day also makes a call to action for accelerating women's equality International Women's Day has occurred for well over a century with the first International Women's Day gathering in 1911, supported by more than a million people. Today, International Women's Day belongs to all groups collectively everywhere. International Women's Day is not country, group, or organization specific. Simply put, International Women's Day is powered by the collective efforts of all, including United Soccer Coaches. Collective action and shared ownership for driving gender parity is what makes International Women's Day impactful. Gloria Steinem, world-renowned feminist, journalist, and activist once explained, quote, the story of women's struggle for equality belongs to no single feminist nor to any one organization, but to the collective efforts of all who care about human rights, end quote. So, two days after International Women's Day, United Soccer Coaches continues to celebrate, and continues to do what they can to truly make a positive difference for women. Today on this show, we have three amazing women. Up first, Abby Ursak, who's been in four Olympics and four World Cups for New Zealand. She's also won three championships in the NWSL. She's the captain of the North Carolina Courage, and she kicks off the show. After her, Alexa Diaz, who has a big role with the Girls Academy League, She played for the Philippine national team, which, by the way, has made their first World Cup, which happens to be in New Zealand and Australia. And Alexa Diaz has great energy wanting to do more for women and young girls. And how about Lisa Cole? She has spent a long time internationally, particularly on islands, growing the women's game. She's currently the coach of the Fiji women's national team. She's a letter of commendation winner for United Soccer Coaches, a longtime staff coach. Helps head up the goalkeeping programs for United Soccer Coaches, and she always has a great message. Abby Ursag, Alexa Diaz, Lisa Cole. That's our show, and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Lee Gaps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created Lee Gaps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform, so you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. We're celebrating International Women's Day that happened just two days ago. And we're kicking off the show with someone that truly epitomizes international. You're talking about a New Zealand legend, Abby Ursek, the captain of the North Carolina Courage. 
She's appeared in four World Cups, four Olympics, and two U-20 World Cups. And Abby Ursaid kicks off this week's show. Abby, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. International Women's Day. When you hear that, what does that mean to you? To try and sum that up in like one or two sentences is tough because it just encompasses so many things, um, especially moving forward for women and, and what we've achieved, especially within the league, the new CBA. It's just we're taking so many great milestones, steps and, and milestones. Um, so to encompass it is tough. It's 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 an innate feeling that women have um, when we're celebrating this day. It's it's something that's special to us, special to to men as well, obviously, but. Um, it's nice to be recognized in that way. And it's nice to be recognized um, for the things that we do and the things that we've done and the things that we've suffered for historically to get to the point that we're at. So it's special. It's really, really special. I'm going to challenge that brilliant brain of yours and ask you to, in order, tell me where all the World Cups and all the Olympics that you participated in were. Um, okay, started in China for the 2008 2007 World Cup and then the Olympics 2008 following that was in China also. Um, and then we had the 2011 World Cup in Germany. And then the 2012 Olympics was in London. The 2015 World Cup was Canada. Um, 2016 Olympics was Rio. Um, 2019 World Cup, that was in France. And then the two, two, 2020-2021 was Japan Olympics. Incredible. And is there like one spot, uh, one place that you've been, or you know, maybe two, what's your favorite place to have played and represented New Zealand? I think the the London Olympics were really, really cool. It was really well done, especially with the past two Olympics have been a little bit tough to get together. Um, London was done really well. It was it was my favorite by far in terms of the event that was put on and, and representing my country in that way. But in terms of the facilities, Argentina was actually the, the one place that I really enjoyed. The facilities there for footballers are... are astounding they're, they're absolutely immaculate the fields are amazing uh the academy that they had us at were amazing it was just a really really professional environment and i was quite young when i played there so i really enjoyed it and from a playing perspective which one of those four world cups and four olympics did new zealand make make the most london, noise london was uh we got through to the quarterfinals um which was really unexpected for us especially at the time i was quite young so i was only 22 at the time. So we, we exceeded expectations at that, at that Olympics. So Abby, as an international superstar, you've made the NWSL home for quite some time. I <laughs> think you've, you've been in the league the entire time, right? I mean, all every year, right? Is that right? Yeah. The past, I missed the first year that the league was open. Um, so this is, this will be my eighth year, I think in the league. So talk about that decision to be a part of NWSL as one of the international superstars. I think uh, growing up, we didn't have a lot of exposure to professional soccer and America was always somewhere where soccer was celebrated. And, and we knew that, we, you know, you had Mia Hamm and you had Christine Lilly. They were always celebrated as players. So you knew about them and you knew that America was always on the scene for women's soccer. Um, so growing up, that was kind of a place that I wanted to go. However, the league had folded a couple of times when I, when I was um, coming to the pro scene. So I tried overseas. I tried Germany. I tried Australia. I tried Japan. And it just it just didn't fit my style of play. It wasn't fast enough. It wasn't quick enough. It wasn't, it wasn't a physical game. It was very technical. Um, so coming to America, I really feel like it suits my style of play. I, I really enjoy the league. I think it's one of the fastest and best leagues in the world physically. You can see that on the world stage with America and their results that they get as well. They're just a fast, physical, technical team. Um, and they've dominated for a number of years for that reason. So, you know, when the league did really 
get its roots down and um, become a bit more stable. It was always a place that I wanted to be. I want to be amongst the best players in the world. I want to be challenged. I want to be facing them every day at training. Um, and I think it's made me a better player. So this, that's why I said. And you've also been a champion as well. I know you won two with the North Carolina Courage as well as some Shields. I think you won one with the Western New York Flash. Am I missing any championships in the NWSL? I know you've got at least three, right? But yeah, three championships, three Shields. Yeah. Now you've got a new team, but as the leader and the captain, talk about that responsibility with uh, a lot of new faces. It's interesting. Your your role as a leader always seems to be changing. It, it's never the same year to year. Uh, obviously, with the team rotating a lot this year, the role changes a little bit. And I think one thing that you, you kind of shift to is instilling leadership in other players, not just being a leader yourself. You want to make sure that other players know how to lead and other players can help the team the best that they can. Um, so that's kind of where the role shifted to this year, whereas in past years, because we've had so many leaders, you can kind of, you don't really need to take on that role so much. You can just kind of lead by example. Um, but I think this year it's about teaching and it's about um, instilling those values into other players so that they can carry that, that courage, pride that we carry so much um, through the next couple of generations. Bouncing around here with the super talented Abby Ursag, who is, by the way, an absolute beast. If you haven't checked out her workout routines as well, it's awesome in your inspirational messages. I actually, people thought I was kidding when I said at today's press conference that you inspired me to pass McDonald's. I wasn't kidding. Like I read your <laughs> motivational messages every day. I mean, they, they really do matter. And I feel like, I feel like those are your genuine thoughts. Are, are, are those all yours, Abby, that you're sending out there and, and tell me why you always want to share those very inspirational messages. They're not my thoughts in my, my own words. So I, I do use them from other people's accounts, but they're what I, it, it's something that resonates with me when I, when I read it. So it, it does align with the way that I think and the things that I believe, but I just like helping people. I like making people feel like their worth is higher than, than what it currently is. I get so many messages from people online saying, thank you so much. It helped me so much. I, I lost 20 pounds because I was reading your messages. And, and so why wouldn't you want to continue something like that? If, if it's helping people, something so simple as just a couple of motivational words in the morning or, you know, a workout here and there, if that helps somebody achieve their goals, why, why not do it? It's so simple. You started right off the bat with a message that is also featured with our other guests on this special International Women's Day edition is you went right to equality. Obviously, big news at, at U.S. soccer. You actually played a big role in, in even helping the Kiwis get up to a bigger standard. You had to take a stance to kind of make that happen, and they're probably not all the way there, but they're making progress. Um, just echo that again on you know the progress being made for equality. There's still work to do, Abby, but... Every day, I hope you're feeling like there is progress being made. Yeah, I think um, within the New Zealand team, when I took my own stand, it was very much, I think it was a little bit before my time to be able to do it. It was it was something that wasn't done by women. You didn't stand out and, and say what you thought or, or you didn't stand up for what you believed in. It was kind of, everything was quite hush-hush and under the covers. Um, and I think the way that we've expanded now, it's not only groups of women uh, speaking up for what they believe in and, and what they think their, their value is worth, but it's it's organizations and it's businesses and it's corporations. It's worldwide now. And it's it's become the norm to appreciate women in a way that they've never been appreciated before. So I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of it. I think it's coming on the tail of my end of my career, but I think for the woman coming forward, man, it's just the opportunities that they're going to have are, are just phenomenal. I think, um, you know, we're going to have players growing up wanting to be professional soccer players and that's what they're going to do. That's, that's the, that's the career that they can have. They don't have to think 
post-career what they have to do. They don't have to think, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, need a, I need something else on the side as well as playing soccer. It's just going to be, that's my career and that's what I can do. And, and that's how it should be. You know, men, men have been able to do it for years, so why can't women? The only thing I didn't like about that answer is tail end of your career, because to me, you can play <laughs> 10 more years, Abby. And if you do play 10 more years, that means you won't miss out on the World Cup being in New Zealand and Australia. Have you looked at that and how important is it for you to make that team for, for that World Cup when, when New Zealand and Australia host? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think tailing my end of my career, I think once you hit 30, you just kind of have to refer to your career as, as the tail end. <laughs> Seems to be something that I'm learning. So, um, but you know, it doesn't mean that, I, that it's ending anytime soon. It's just um, in the lady years of my career. It's been, a, it's been quite long. It's been, I think tw almost 20 years since I went, um, played for the national team. I started when I was 16. So it's been a long career and, and that's all I mean by the tail end. Don't worry about, don't worry about me going anywhere anytime soon. I love it too much. Um, but in terms of having the world cup in New Zealand, yeah, it's, it's hugely important because I think every time you have a world cup in, in countries like that, it helps grow the game and it helps develop that kind of exposure in a country like mine is, is critical because we don't have a professional league. We don't have a semi-pro league. It's all very amateur. So to get that kind of exposure in the country is just really crucial for the development of the players coming through. And it's, it's something that none of us have ever been a part of or seen before. We've had a 17s, but a full Women's World Cup is, is the next level. It's, it's where we want to be. We can showcase, showcase our talent, obviously, at home and get a lot of home support as well. So um, it's important. It's really important that the country, you know, gets behind it and, and, put systems in place to make sure that we can capitalize on the event post World Cup. Last question for you, Abby Urseg, as we've covered a lot, you know, we talked about equality and we talked about your motivational messages, which like you said, help, you know, fat old guys like me as much as uh, anybody else. But at the end of the day, it's International Women's Day. So <laughs> as I think about you being an inspirational leader and a role model, I think about young girls, both young girls that are watching you play all over the United States as part of the North Carolina Courage, but also young girls back in your home country that are watching you represent your country in the World Cup and the Olympics. What is your message to young girls on International Women's Day as far as you know pursuing their goals and achieving greatness? I think I've always kind of said to girls is just that you don't have to follow the same path that everybody else is following to get to where you want to go. I know there's a very rigid path in terms of going to the professional game and, and, and having that as a career. Um, but if you think about how people got there, it's never really the same. You have a lot of people that go through college, sure, but there's some people that pick it up at 10, 11, 12 and go pro that way. There's some people that just go through college traditionally and then pick up soccer later on and discover it later. Like, I don't think you have to go through the, the, the college system necessarily to go pro. I think you can do it any way that you like. Um, so the, the thing that I encourage is just, if that's something you're really passionate about, follow it and see where it goes. And if it's not something you're passionate about, that's fine too. You don't have to follow a path that everybody else is following. I think as long as you're doing something that makes you happy, uh, at the end of the day, you're the one that wins. So yeah, I just think I, I'm encouraging of people that know what they want and, and go after it any way that they want to do that. Abby Urseg, the Kiwi, the captain of the North Carolina Courage and the leader of four World Cups and four Olympics and count on five, folks. She just said she's going to be there. So I'm going to take that to the bank. Abby Urseg, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast.
Thanks, Dane. Appreciate it. Stay with us. We're just getting started recognizing International Women's Day, which took place two days ago. Up next, Alexa Diaz. She played for the Philippine national team, which, by the way, is already qualified for the World Cup that Abby Urseg just mentioned in New Zealand and Australia. Alexa Diaz has a big role with the Girls Academy League, led by Leslie Gallimore, and she's got a great story to share. Alexa Diaz, after these messages. United Soccer Coaches would like to thank all 2022 convention attendees, exhibitors, presenters, and volunteers for reuniting in Kansas City. You can relive all of the special moments from the awards banquet and All-America ceremony reception by watching the recordings now available on unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Remember to save the date for the 2023 convention in Philadelphia, January 11th through 15, 2023. Welcome back to this very special edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast as we celebrate International Women's Day and we do it this week on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. And our next guest is a former international player and she is now getting it done as the Director of League Development and Player Programs for the Girls Academy League. Talking about Alexa Diaz, who works for a true friend to the association, Leslie Gallimore. Alexa Diaz, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to chatting. I look forward to learning more about what you're doing at the Girls Academy League, but because we're celebrating international women, let's start with the fact that you did play for the Philippine national team and let's get to know your heritage. Obviously, one of your parents or maybe both of your parents are Filipino, right? So tell us about your heritage. Yeah, so my father is from the Philippines. He was born there and then moved to the United States at um, the age of nine. Um, So he resided with his family in Seattle, where I was born and raised. Um, But I was able to get citizenship based on my father and his passport. So I was really excited to be able to even go back to where he grew up as well during my time on the on the national team. Let's talk about your time on the national team and what it meant to you to be back in the Philippines and spend time with them. Can you kind of go back and tell us about that time? Yeah. So, you know, I got an email about a Philippine national team tryout camp in California. And it was one of those things where I was like, wow, okay, sure. I would love to to try it out and get to know more about my heritage and see if it's even a possibility. So I went out to California um, with some of my actual, um, my teammates back in Seattle. So they came as well there. They have Philippine heritage um, also. So went over there, tried it out a lot of American base. So that was really exciting um, to see other Filipino Americans at that, at that tryout. So this was back in, I want to say 2013 or so, 2012 or 13. Um, And then we got called up for our first campaign for the SEA Games in 2013. So, you know, we got to see majority of the team being Filipino Americans that are playing college or played in college during that time, as well as some Filipino based. Um, obviously in America was a little bit more progressed in the women's game. So that's why the Philippines decided to reach out to Filipino Americans because they're a little bit more advanced in soccer than the Philippines. So I was like, that makes so much sense thinking about it as well. And then, you know, we got to go with our teammates to the Philippines and luckily I have a, my godfather still lives there. So I was able to see him for the very first time. 
um, you know, older and being able to recognize him and things like that. So I got to experience soccer in the Philippines, which is very different. We had to practice at like five o'clock in the morning because it was way too humid and way too hot. And those are the only times where it was a good time to, to train in the Philippines. And those things you don't really think about when you're in the United States, you know, weather is pretty fluid and whether it's cold, hot, it doesn't get too hot. But in the Philippines, it, it very much did. During our break times, I got to go back to where my dad and his family grew up. Mm. And that was probably one of the most monumental time of being on the Philippines of what it meant. It meant to be in tune with where your family came from, what is your lineage. And it was the first time I was able to feel like part of a big community. I walked down the street, no one ever knew me, but they looked at me and they asked, are you a Diaz? And that was the first time I was like, really? (laughs) Yeah, I am. Like, how'd you know? They're like, we can tell by your family, like your lineage, like you look like a Diaz. And that made everything so much worthwhile to be there and to be on this team, to know that I'm representing the Philippine national team, but I'm also representing a whole line of my family that lived here, grew up here, had a life here. And, you know, that's just what kept me going and kept playing for all those years after. Yeah, I got chills on that, recognized as a Diaz. That had to make you so proud of having that name on the back of the jersey for the Philippine national team, right? It meant a lot more than just, you know, who I am of Alexa Diaz. This is the last name on your jersey. This is who you are. I'm like, no, this represents literally everyone else who was a Diaz or who was, you know, on my my dad's mother's side of San Luis. It represented both of those lines because it came to me. So yeah, it just, it spoke so much more than just my, just who I am. It's everything before that. So Alexa, how many games were you able to play for the Philippine national team? And is there one special moment that truly stood out? Honestly, I can't remember how many games. <laughs> it's all blurred in like how, like what games sometimes you just black out on some games at, <laughs> to be completely honest. But there's one game in particular. It was my first cap. Um, it was the Sea Games in in Myanmar. And it was hosted at Myanmar. We are playing Myanmar. And, you know, you think about it. It's a women's game. We're in Asia. You don't think that there's going to be a lot of fans. And then you walk out in the, like, the ceremony of, you know, the starting 11. And next thing you know, there's... 30,000 people in this stadium and it was filled like packed to the T where you're just like, I didn't realize there was many fans of the women's game here. And it was so cool, but yet very hard to play against because I couldn't even hear my center back, my other center back, because we played in the back three. I was a left center back and I couldn't hear my center back. I was like, I don't know what you're saying. And, you know, (laughs) that just, that just brought in like such a cool atmosphere, but yet it was the first time I've, I've ever played in something like that to that extent where you're, it's so loud, everyone's cheering and you don't know, you know, if we should shift left or shift right, like you can't hear what's going on and what my, what my goalkeeper is telling us to do. But, but that was probably my, my favorite, one of my favorite, I have two really big ones. Um, ever of you know my first cap first experience and then that's what it that it started off pretty high for sure 
Well, if you got two, we need to hear the second one. Ah, the second one. So the second one was the Asian games. Um, we were playing in Jordan. We, we, we were playing against Jordan. So for us, apparently we just have a knack of playing against the host country first, usually, I guess. Um, and it was the moment where we were down one, one nil and we were like, okay, you know, we can do this. We, we have the momentum. Let's keep going. And then we scored in, oh my gosh, I think it was like the 70th minute or so tied at one, one. And we came back, um, and Serena, who's, um, who scored the, actually the PK, the winning PK, um, to take the women to the world's cup. She scored our winning goal against Jordan to go up two one in our first game. And that was probably like, it was the whole stadium erupted and thinking that like, yes, we can do this. We can get far. And that was the campaign prior to this last Asian game. So those are like the two big highlights, like our first really big win against like a top ranked, like not top ranked like country, but like a good well-ranked country and their home um, stadium as well. So that one, those two, are, are pretty high up there of my favorite experiences on the national team. So remind me when the Philippines made it to the World Cup and is it just been one World Cup they've made it to? This is our first. One that's coming up, you've made it or? Yeah, so they, so we didn't make it my last campaign. Um, we lost to South Korea and South Korea was able to go to the, to the 2019 World Cup. Um, but this last one, this last Asian games in 20, um, 2022, in, in India, they now qualify for the upcoming 2023 World Cup. Oh my gosh, that's just incredible, right? How proud are you? Oh, I, too many tears were shed. Um, you know, I was so happy for the team and because I know a lot of the team that's still there and you think about all the hard work that we went through of all the hardships we had to do, all the, you know, sponsorships, meetings that we had to go to in order to get funding and, you know, training at odd hours, not having equipment and not having like matching uniforms for training, like those small things that, you know, this day and age, they kind of forget about, you know, all those emotions come back and I'm like, look how far they've come. You know, I was part of that, that pathway that fought and fought and fought for everything that it is now. So you know, it was a whole bunch of different emotions and lots of tears that I'm so, so excited for them and all the hard work that they've done. You know, I'm, I'm now going to be a spectator <laughs> this time, um, but I'm, I'm more than ecstatic for everyone in that organization of what they've done. And, and you're going to try to go over there or just watch on TV? Uh, I want to try and go, um, you know, just to, to support my, my fellow teammates in my country and, you know, being there at the first time the Philippines have made it to a world cup. I want to be able to say that I was there, whether, even though I'm not the player that's there, um, I still want to be there for sure. Okay, cool. And then are you familiar with the API advocacy group for United soccer coaches? Are you involved in that at all? Yeah, I am. I am. It's just an incredible uh, organization, a shoe and, and all the wonderful people. I mean, I really feel like they're making a difference. Can you talk about the pride in, in what they're doing as an advocacy group now? Yeah, um, you know, I'm fortunate to be, you know, part of that leadership group now for the API um, advocacy group. And 
the fact that we are all talking about, you know, our heritage and how we connect to like that Asian Pacific Islander group and being able to see other people on the call that are like you or similar to you. And it's, it's really built this really good community. And I'm so happy to be a part of it because, you know, from an Asian standpoint, you don't see many people advocating for, for, you know, Asian Americans or Asians and um, in our, our game. Um, so I think that the more that we just kind of shed light on, you know, those, those top people that are in the game currently have been in it for a really long time, but no one took the time to like highlight them. You know, that's what we want to do. And we want to show that even players that are have an Asian background, if, you know, if one country is not your pathway, there's, your other side of your heritage that you can tap into. And we're all really supportive of, of all each other's heritages. And it's, it's really fun to learn. I've learned a lot on each call um, about different, you know, cultures and things that they're celebrating. And so it's, it's awesome. And I love seeing it. I love being on the calls and knowing that soccer is the one that brought us together. And then we get to share different things about each other. So well said about that advocacy group, the API and allies. Alexa Diaz, the director of league development and player programs for the Girls Academy League. You mentioned you ended up growing up in Seattle. You went to college at Seattle Pacific. Can you tell us a little bit about your time at Seattle Pacific and how you found this job with Leslie Gallimore and the Girls Academy League? Obviously, if you're from Seattle, you know Leslie. Like, if you don't know <laughs> Leslie, you don't know Seattle. Um, even though she's from California, she has adopted that new home of Seattle. So, you know, I've had, um, you know, the opportunity to to see her while I was growing up as, you know, a strong female coach. And I've always idolized her. A lot of, you know, my friends or, you know, even my babysitter played for her. And so, like, that's kind of how... I was able to look up to Leslie um, at such a young age and played, you know, obviously SPU and UW would play against each other. We'd play, um, you know, games against um, UW. So I get to see her in that context. But, um, you know, I got to be in a club back um, in Florida. So down here in Florida, where I, where I live, I was part of Weston FC and they were joining the Girls Academy League. And so um, I saw, oh my gosh, the commissioner is going to be Leslie Gallimore. How amazing is that? I was like, Leslie's like the best female leader ever, um, yeah. obviously. And so, you know, I wanted to kind of maneuver my way into, you know, being part of something bigger than a team. You know, as as a coach, I always thought like, oh, it's so great to to help influence these players, but I want to do it at a bigger level. And so I moved up into like something for a club. And I was like, oh, well, I only still get to like influence not as many players. And so I reached out um, to Leslie and um, Ashley Fontes Comber. I actually um, asked her, I was like, hey, is there any way that, you know, I can help more? You know, I want to do something that impacts the female game more. You know, I was striving for something um, that can stretch further beyond my, my little club that I was with, even though it's a very big club, I wanted, I wanted to impact more female, um, players and coaches and things like that. So luckily enough by me being involved in little committees here and there with throughout the girls Academy league, it grew into an actual full-time role. So, um, just, I think having a leader as Leslie, know 
what the mission is and being able to portray to me what the mission is of the girls academy and me and it lining up with my values of who I am and what I want to achieve in in my career I was like this is an easy an easy decision for me to be a part of um, to help grow the women's game which I, I want to do on a daily basis to make the the girls know that they feel safe and can achieve more than anything else. If, if their opportunity is to go to college, whether it's D1, D2, D3, you know, NAIA, like junior college, whichever one it is, it's still an accomplishment, which, whichever one you do, because first you're going to be a student athlete and the student comes first to me, you know, student comes first and you're getting an education. You just get to be an athlete second, which is like a little bonus. So just being able to do that and, you know, really help grow the women's game that's it's so rewarding to be honest that's awesome you truly exude confidence and you've got a great spirit about you and I guess that's probably another thing that that as you mentioned drew you to Leslie Gallimore and the girls academy league how how's the league going and what do you see the future like it's growing quite well and I see the future being players that can be confident on and off the field and I think that's one of the things that we try to empower into our players is that yes, you're, you're a great player, but you also have to be a great student. You have to be a great friend. You have to be a great, you know, daughter, you know, any kind of any aspect um, uh, of the spectrum. And so I think that's what we've done really well with our advisory panel. Um, we have an advisory panel of players to be able to speak about those, those topics that they want, the topics that they have, um, talked about in their team or in their club, and they want to see it at a bigger scale, how to give back to the community. Um, and so I think that's where we've grown the most is our players are being able to help shape what the, the league wants to look like. Um, so I think we are growing more than just soccer players We're growing like really great people in the process. As you think about international women in sports and you think about equality and everything that's going on, not just in the United States, but because it's international women, you think about what Ada football is doing on the soccer side, but obviously this is more than, than just soccer, but how does it make you feel, particularly somebody that represented the Philippine national team? It makes me feel that there's a bigger pathway for highlighting women not just in our country, but across the country. And um, I've worked with Opta Football and being able to highlight, you know, players overseas that, you know, our girls don't really look at. And Paramount Plus being able to highlight the Asian Asian games, which was huge um, to see that. And I think it's growing. I think it's on its on its way. And the more that people recognize that soccer expands outside of America. I think it's going to really benefit um, every generation to come, whether you're um, American, whether you're Filipino, whether you're, you know, Hispanic in any kind of culture that you are, it's going to, it's going to blow up either way. I want people to keep an eye on you as you continue to grow your career, particularly as somebody that said, hey, I want to make a difference. And you took the initiative to reach out to the Girls Academy League and you said, hey, I want to get involved with the shoe and the API Avisky group. I admire that, Alexa Diaz. How can people follow your path? Do you have social media platforms they can keep an eye on you? I have um, Instagram and, and Twitter that I 
try to keep up on not the best <laughs> at it i will do i will strive to be better at connecting with more people on uh on social but yeah yeah they can they can follow me there i'm better on email <laughs> better on email okay all right sounds good alexa diaz and it's just at alexa diaz or for instagram at alexa diaz 15 twitter a n diaz 15 just a final message for young women, you know, particularly young international girls. What's your message to them about uh, their dreams and aspirations? For for them is to feel that the hard work is usually in the tough times are usually temporary, that it's all part along the path. And as long as you keep staying on the path, whichever bumps that you you face, you just continue to go, whether it's going over slow, going over fast, you're still going to get over it and to keep working, um, on yourself, on being a better person. Um, and all those things will fall into place. You got a great vibe. Alexa Diaz, a great choice to be on the special edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. She's involved with the API advocacy group with United Soccer Coaches, and she's the director of league development and player programs for the growing Girls Academy League. Alexa Diaz, thanks for sharing your story on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you so much for having me. When we return, it's the head coach of the Fiji Women's National Team, Lisa Cole, who two years ago won a letter of commendation from United Soccer Coaches. She's been a longtime staff coach. She's coached at other island international teams as well. She's really done it all, and she is a great human being. We end the show with Lisa Cole after these messages. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. On Tuesday, it was International Women's Day, and today on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps, we talked to four women who've been involved in the game internationally, done great things, and one person that came right to the top of the list was Lisa Cole, who has been a longtime staff member for United Soccer Coaches and has a ton of international experience. She's been the head coach at Papua New Guinea. She's been the head coach at Antigua Barbuda, and now she's the head coach in Fiji, where she joins me now. Lisa Cole, as we celebrate International Women's Day, you're much more international than you ever thought, by the way, with all of these moves. Thanks for being a part of this special show. Yeah, thank you for having me. You obviously know the benefits and the merits of helping international women in sport you've essentially spent what how many years now in places outside of the united states building up the sport of soccer yeah i mean i think i've been on and off um well i'd say on and off island if i was uh, heading there but i've been out uh, internationally since basically 2015 and it's been a real uh, treat to be able to work with players in different countries and provide them the opportunity to play the game at a bit higher level and kind of open their eyes to what's possible if they um, invest in themselves and invest in the sport. 
as you were coming up through the ranks and in college and then coaching with Tony DeChico and all the other great people that you've coached with, what was your first international exposure, Lisa? Were you still in high school at the time or was it after college? When were you first exposed to somewhere else other than the United States? Yeah, I was really lucky, actually. Uh, this name will ring true for somebody, but um, I was um, selected uh, to go on a trip with uh, Karen Stanley, actually, a name from a past good United Soccer Coaches legend. And when I was just a kid, like uh, all league team from uh, Kent, Washington, they picked a state team to travel to the Dana Cup, to the Gothia Cup, I played in uh, Germany as well, for, I think the Capital Cup. It just was a really remarkable experience for me um, to see what else is out there, how other people um, see the game and what the possibility is if you really invest your time and effort into both yourself, but also into others. I've been traveling or wanting to travel ever since. You know, just over a month ago, we celebrated Women in Sports Day, and that was a great panel as well. And you know, as you think about International Women's Day, I think one of the undertones is equality. Big news coming out of U.S. soccer as well, you know, not that long ago. But as you think about equality for women all over the world, how are you feeling about uh, the progress that's being made? Yeah, I mean, you have to always celebrate when you have uh, small wins and uh, and certainly when you have um, big wins like this uh, lawsuit. But it also just is taking so long, right? just takes so much time for us to be able to make these little victories. And then you look and you go, okay, well, now I'm still in, ca in a camp where we're wearing men's jerseys. We're still in a camp where, where um, women, you know, are treated less than and come into camp, the food's not the same, or this isn't the same. So, so it's remarkable. And then you go to places like Papua New Guinea and women are still treated as property. And so yeah, we're making gains in some parts of the world, bigger gains than others. And then in other parts of the world, women still are second class citizens. And that's sad. It's really sad. So uh, we need to continue the work, but also make sure we take a breath and celebrate the victories as they come. You know, without putting words in your mouth, I've got to believe that's part of the reason why you pick some of these places to, you know, share your expertise and, and help these women, knowing that they're a long ways away from being equal or anywhere close to what U.S. soccer has done. Can you uh, add to that? Yeah, I just feel like sometimes as Americans or growing up in the U.S., we, we do right away have so much, right? You know, you, I look at Antigua and Barbuda and you know, they're fighting to get off an island. How do I get two or three scholarships that are going to come up so I can go further my education and broaden my uh, landscape so then I can earn more money later for my family to then provide food and um, a good upbringing for my children. So, so you look at Papua New Guinea, and when I first got there, women didn't even dream of doing anything other than being wives and mothers. So, and then to open their eyes that no, women can do more. You can go to college, you can be something else. So I think it's really important that we do this, that we are out in other places and help women, especially good young women, realize that they can do more than be wives and mothers. And that for me, watching players do remarkable things off the field is just as rewarding as watching them do things on the field. And when that light switches on, I mean, I don't think when I was in Papua New Guinea, I, I don't think they had dreams. They just they just did what they were told to do. And then to, to have them finally have goals and 
to say, oh, I want to be a flight attendant. I want to go to college and study nursing. I mean, what a remarkable thing. And it starts with one. We all know that. It starts with one. I see one woman looks like me do it. And then I go, oh, that's possible. And so you're changing a generation. So um, cultural change is very slow. It takes generations. But I think that's what's rewarding for me is that you, you have one do it, then you have two do it, then you have three do it. And then now all of a sudden for a generation, and we've seen this in the US, US like for a generation of women soccer field players right now, professional soccer is possible, right? It's possible, it's reality. But when I grew up in my generation, being a professional women's football player was impossible. It seemed impossible. It takes a lot, of, lot more time than we like it to take, but it is exciting to see that there has been change. International Women's Day, just two days ago, this entire show dedicated to International Women's Day as part of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. We're visiting with Lisa Cole now, kind of flipping the table. You know, I think about, you know, even the time that you spent with Erica Dombach at Penn State where Rocky Rodriguez would come in from Costa Rica, I believe, and they had some international players. They have one from Spain now. They've had a couple from, from Germany. Uh, I think that's another interesting part of, you know, hey, you're over in Fiji and Antigua, Barbuda and Papua New Guinea, but we're also having these international stars come to the United States to uh, get in on the game of soccer. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, actually, that's funny. Uh, Eric and I were talking a while ago, and um, I have a goal right now to get the first Antiguan Barbuda player to get to a Division One college, right? Because to, one, get the players to the level where they can play somewhere like that, um, and have that recognition and then be able to do something like Rocky to go on and play professionally in a women's league. You do something like that on a small island and it changes everybody's perception of what's possible for women. And uh, Rocky is a great story of that. Uh, Mammy Yamaguchi at Florida State while I was there with Mark Corian was a good example of that. The thing she was able to do and is continuing to do in the game is remarkable. Again, it's about providing opportunities. If you provide opportunities for these young women, they're going to flourish and do remarkable things. But right now, there's sometimes bet, uh, barriers that are put up that just are, seem insurmountable. And everything we come back to is education. Education for women is so important when we talk about the international game. If they're educated, then they're able to make uh, better decisions. They're able to speak for themselves. It builds confidence in them. And I think that's what becomes really, really important is how do we educate? How do we make sure women have access to education? And then how, how do we make sure they have access to sports so they develop those life skills, confidence, leadership, all those things that they're not, they're not being encouraged to do within their culture a lot of times. So you've been around the association long enough that you were there when it was called the NSCAA. You've seen them change their name to United Soccer Coaches. And long before Lynn and even Jeff, I feel like the association said, hey, let's make sure that we get international coaches over to help educate. Although I feel like the early days, similar story, it was probably 99 percent men I feel like that's starting to change when you see people like Emma Hayes and Laura Harvey who are so close to the association they're just a couple of the women that are of international acclaim how are you feeling about that part of it from the United Soccer Coaches point of view working more with international women that have done some great things yeah I think it's great I mean obviously uh, both of them uh, good friends and I think when you look out there 
women are just in the game. When when you talk about Emma Hayes, she's killing it. We talk about Laura Harvey, she's in there killing it. And what what if we had 10 Laura Harveys? What if we had 10 Emma Hayes? Right? But unfortunately, there's limited opportunities for uh, women a lot of times in the game. And so there's only the one or two really remarkable stories and the impact they're making is remarkable. But if we could get one or two more women to join them, their impact would be 10 times greater. And I do think it's important for women to see, I think, especially American women to see women coaching professionally, women highlighted on the screen when we do the um, presentations. Because again, if you can see it, you can be it. And uh, it seems like a bit cliche now because we've been using it for so long. But in reality, it's true. When young people see someone like themselves do something, they go, oh, I can do that. And that's what we need to make sure when we're at United Soccer Coaches conventions, when we're out and about, that women are inspired by the people they see in front of them. And not that they can't be inspired by men, they can. I mean, obviously, Tony DeChico was a great advocate for me and a mentor, but I also had Colleen ha uh, Hacker. I also had Janet Smezik. I also had Karen Stanley. Also had uh, Debbie Barlow. So I think, um, and of course, they're all unique, really qualified women. And I think that's why I, I never even hesitated when people asked me what I wanted to do in my life. I wanted to be a coach. And I think because I had all those influences when I was young, having all those female coaches, I think for me, it was just like, yeah, I'm going to be a coach. I didn't even hesitate. But I think in other environments, you see people go, I can coach. Wait, I can't, I don't have to be the administrator. I don't have to be the equipment person. I can be a coach. Like it's new to them because all the coaching positions are filled by men, right? So um, really, really important that the association has taken on the charge to make sure that women are front and center and not just doing team management, but actually out on the field. I think on Thursday night, actually, this last convention, I think there were three women on the field and that's the first time that's happened where the lead presenters coming right into the convention have been top top coaches that also happen to be great females. Couple more questions for Lisa Cole, who's now in Fiji, coaching the Fiji women's national team. And I love that you mentioned so many female mentors, but. One of the things that I've also admired about you as you follow your path, of course, a couple of years ago, you got a well-deserved letter of commendation, Lisa, is if you're honest with me, the early days of the association, I think you'll tell me that you were the only woman in the room a lot of the time. Can you tell me what that was like and how you were able to adjust and pivot and deal with being the only woman for a lot of the time as a staff coach? That is true. A lot of the times, and even still today at times, I find myself, especially as you grow in leadership positions, you end up um, higher up the scale of things and you walk into a room, you go back to the old boys club as you move up, it happens again and again. But I think the uh, things that's good for me is I, I always have enjoyed that environment. I've always enjoyed, I have, I have had great uh, male role models and so they've helped me along. And I think at any time where maybe I was struggling a bit or the environment wasn't quite right, I just made sure that I exited the environment quickly. Sue Ryan and Janet Rayfield and uh, Nancy Feldman, they were, they were before me. And I think their path was harder than my path because when they first came in, it was very, very much a boys club. And so it was a little bit softer as I came in. But again, you take your A license, you're the only woman. 
Um, I took it when I was younger so I could play still and I was mobile. That always helped because guys, once they see you can play, then they give you a little more respect. So I'll use a Dr. Hacker quote and she's like, uh, sometimes you got to just fake it till you make it. And uh, so there was a bit of that early on in my career. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to walk in there and be confident. And yeah, it paid off because um, even the guys, if you, if they're really, really honest with you, they're a bit nervous too. And they're struggling with other things. They just come off as more confident. Uh, so I just tried to borrow some of that confidence and uh, a little bit of, well, I'm just going to go in there and hopefully they'll start to respect me as I give information. I think sometimes women quiet themselves and that becomes a problem because we don't say anything or we, you know, the guys would be like, hey, can you take the notes? I'm like, yeah, I'm, have you seen my handwriting? It's poor, you take the notes. So when they would shuffle women's tasks to me, what they would consider women's tasks to me, I'd shuffle them right back and say no. Uh, I think that also helped me a little bit, but yeah, fake it till you make it, you know, walk in confident, own it. It helps when you're also qualified, I think. Final question here is, you know, obviously I don't know you as well as Erica and Janet and Nancy know you, but every one of my interactions with you has been positive. And I've seen a woman who is confident, a woman who is curious and a woman who's kind and also a woman who isn't like, hey, look at me, you know, look what I've done, which I've always admired, Lisa, because you could do that, but you don't do that. Having said all of that, as you think about International Women's Day, how would you like to address the, the women that are either in the association or thinking about joining the association? And for me, even drop the international. It's just Women's Day, right? Like we'll just celebrate, celebrate women. What's your message to uh, women that want to get in the game and have a big impact on the game? Well, I think the first thing is you're not alone, right? And um, there's a lot of us out here doing some work. And I think sometimes we put our heads down. And uh, we grind through things and we need to like get our heads up, look around who's next to you and then make sure you create a good circle of people. Like I'm fortunate, you know, I get in, get in trouble or overwhelmed. I give Erica a call, I give uh, other people a call. And I think the women's advocacy group, which is there within the association is a great resource. Join the group, find something you're passionate about. We just created a mom's initiative so that women who are coaching and our mothers can uh, tackle problems together, right? To say, hey, here's a solution I found, or I negotiated my contract, here's how I worked in childcare. I have no idea how to solve those problems, but we have people within the association that can help you. And if you see a need or a thing that you think is important, like I wanted to go to the Algarve Cup and watch the international game. And so that's how I was like, the association should do this, the association should do this. And instead of like, Keep, we, we give these ideas and these things and we hope someone else will run them with them. No, pick it up and own it yourself, right? Pick up the task, okay? Think the association should do this. We should have a mom's group. We should have an Algar trip. We should go to the World Cup together and talk about football, watch the games. If you're passionate about something like that, you think the association should do, get a hold of Haley Carter, who's the advocacy chair, get involved, get engaged, and then you'll create a network of people that when you're in trouble, or when you need a little pep talk, or you have a task you think is maybe a little crazy, you want to run it by people, you can. So get engaged within the association, and it really, for me at least, it has really become 
a second family. I look at the people that are in the association and have been connected to me through the association. And I don't need to talk about what I give because the association is always giving to me. So I'm just trying to give back. That's so well said, Lisa Cole. It's always a pleasure. You are our true inspiration. And I meant everything I said about you as well. Thanks so much for being a part of this special International Women's Day podcast for United Soccer Coaches. Thank you, Lisa. All right, thanks, Dean. I appreciate always getting to uh, talk with you. And also, you are a accommodation award winner at that same time as me, so thanks for bringing that up, but also congratulations to you as well. It's certainly great to have that connection to Lisa Cole. International Women's Day, celebrated on Tuesday and recognized today on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. I want to thank all of our wonderful guests and all of the wonderful women who work for United Soccer Coaches, who are members of United Soccer Coaches. We salute you and women all over the world. That's going to do it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. I do want to thank my producer, Colin Thrash. I'm Dean Linky. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.